Hi, and welcome to episode two of Betty, Girl Band the Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the series and rate and review it. And now, let the magic begin. This podcast is meant for mature audiences only. Girl Band the Podcast, the tale of the band Betty's meteoric rise to the middle. Remember when Emma Goldman said, if there's no dancing at the revolution, I'm not coming? Well, tonight we have both. Thanks to Betty, we have the music, and thanks to all of you, we have the revolution. Hi, it's Allie. This is Amy. Elizabeth. And together we're the band Betty. But we haven't always been. Mm. We finally got a name after that Sunday's trip. Yeah, the last time we were talking, we talked about the fact that we formed this band, we didn't know what it was called. Then, it happened. That's right. We, we sat around all night long, and we came up with some great names. Tripping. One, two, three. Quiver. No. What? The first name we came up with was actually Double Dutch Bus. Oh, Elizabeth I and still I were think convinced. that's a great name. <laughs> we were convinced. We said Double Dutch Bus. The sun was rising on 1010 14th Street, and as it glinted off the, the glass, breaking on the sidewalk... <laughs> We saw a bus go by and we said, Double Dutch Bus, it's the greatest name of all time. We repeated it over and over and over again for a solid hour, came in to wake up Amy. Amy, who was staring at the ceiling with her teeth clenched like this because she was so <laughs> wired. And we said, Amy, Amy, we have the name of the band, Double Dutch Bus. And she turned around with her swoopy eyes and said, what? No. What did I want it to be? You had a different name than that. I don't recall. Oh, I, I was still gunning for all the flies in China. <laughs> but we did end up calling the band Quiver. We called the band Quiver because we did realize after our, our mind-expanding trip that all molecules, all parts of the world vibrate together. Mm. And everybody thinks that everything is separate and disparate, but actually everything's all the same thing, all just vibrating together, all just quivering together. We didn't know that there was already a band in the 70s called Quiver. We thought it was the best name of all time. I s- I didn't know until just now there was a band in the 70s Some called Quiver. Brother, Brothers and Quiver, of course. And we really? talked about it, but it, we didn't find out until after we'd broken up, so it was okay. Well, but, we were only together for a short year, and I think we had five, six gigs for that year. But and we were the rage for a second or two, weren't no, we? No, no, we thought we were. Oh, well, we no, weren't. we really were. Things were, we? were really, really happening for <laughs> Quiver. And that's what was so sad about us breaking up. It was really exciting when we first got, st- got started. It was, yeah. Um, I'm not sure how we got our first gig. That must have been one of you all that helped I do that, because I didn't. I don't remember, but it was at Fort Reno. It was the outdoor, uh, they had an outdoor series, and they still have it to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, an outdoor series up up in... Wait, up. I just remembered something. What? I, I, remember wait, wait, that wait, wait. guy with the black hair? He was playing in a band, and he was the one that told you about it. The guy with the black hair... Kind Billy? of receding at the time. Me, not Billy, not Billy. <laughs> no, not Billy. It was... Um, Oh, I can't remember his name, but he was in a band. He was in kind of like a punk band. And he said, uh, yo, there's... Were you working at the record store already or no? I think I was working at Record and Tape Limited, yeah. You were working at Record and Tape because he was someone you worked with. And he said that there was going to be this concert. Rusty? Uh, No, he had dark hair and... um, he had, I remember you saying that he was really well hung. That's all I remember. But he was a younger guy, very pale, Doug, dark the hair. the really good looking one that was always drunk. I don't drunk. remember. He was the one he that He took said, out his penis and said, monkey brains, monkey brains, no. in the middle of record and tape and got fired. That's the guy. But they no, hired him back. Different guy. Different um, guy. But anyways, this anyway, young guy the who had a, br- had a mom who was also involved in the arts. 
told us about this gig and we went and played it. I don't remember the gig at all, but we only knew four songs, so we must have played four songs. I remember it was outside, and to me it was like, we might as well have been playing at RFK Stadium. Because we were on our way. We, we were the Beatles. We did only have four songs, and they wanted an encore, and I remember we played the first song again because we, that's what we had to do. That's so, funny. I don't remember that I do all. remember that, and I thought, well, of course, it's a What I remember, though, was our second gig. Our second gig was, to me, the first gig of my life, even though I'd played tons of music before, but we played at Desperados. And Desperados at that time, because I worked across the street at Crazy Horse Bartending, Desperados was the coolest club that I knew of because everybody, Danny Gatton, the Slicky Boys, all the bands that you heard on the radio all the time, all the people that were huge in our area, all of them, NRBQ, they all played at Desperados, and we got a gig at Desperados opening for Switchblade. I remember going to a party after that gig, and all of the guys were there, and they were all such womanizers, and that yeah. guy, the bass player, was Johnny so Castle, hot. Dreamboat Johnny and Castle. And in the other room, Ratso mm-hmm. was watching a movie, and we sat. I sat down and watched it with him, and it turned out to be The Bad Seed. Oh, The yeah. Bad Seed. It's genius. I watched The Bad Seed with Ratso. At after that raging gig. party. You know that it's a great party when all kinds of things are happening in all kinds of different rooms and you don't know what's going to be behind the next door. <laughs> and that kind of sort of is what our, our, our band was at the beginning. We didn't know what was coming next, but we always knew it was going to be something exciting. But we started doing songs like um, I Looked Inside His Window in five-part harmony, which was very cool, a song that we keep doing now and we're still doing now. I wonder if he thinks about me maybe from time to time. I close my eyes and think of all the times we had together But now it's only yesterday that matters Well, don't you see? I really love him I miss him too He thinks I'm invisible Is it But I do remember that I wrote a song in 1010 14th Street. I want to hear what your songs were that you remember from there. But I remember writing a song about Michelle, the bell of the block. Because Michelle was, I would say now is probably transgender, but at the time was a drag queen. Mm-hmm. But she was never anything but Michelle. Right. And everybody in the neighborhood just accepted her. Oh, that's Michelle. They'd be like, come on, girl. Everybody would just like talk to Michelle as Michelle. But I remember just being dazzled by the fact that this unbelievably stylish, amazingly smooth woman would just swan around the neighborhood and be like, hello, girls, to us whenever she saw us. And Michelle was the belle of the block. I remember that song. song. Me too. Yeah, that was a really good song. Well, if anyone tries to tell you, it's 
remember a song that we played. Our, our second gig was at Desperados. Our third gig was at the, when the guy was shooting the movie. The Ontario. The Ontario yeah. Theater. And um, Richard Coates. I just <laughs> remembered his name. Richard Coates was doing a film about what was going on with all the amazing music and everything that was happening and popping in Washington, D.C. And he made this film that we all, he said he was going to pay us and he was going to give us all a copy of the film. To this day, no one has been paid and we all tried to chase him down just to get the footage and nobody did, which is unfortunate. I wish we had it. If he is out there, Richard, if you're out there somewhere... Yeah, we don't want your money. We want the film. Because uh-huh. yeah. that was a really great time. It was a great show that was so fun. We had a song that was our hit at the time called Blue Man. And it was written by your older sister. And right. I love playing it. You sang it. And it was all about the police because earlier that year, you and I had gotten arrested. For no reason. I was waiting outside the Crazy Horse. It was three in the morning when the bar closed. So I was waiting for Allison to come out and I was coming for my job, which was the Bayou, which was a, a another bar, which great, is a whole another story. A great, great place yeah. to play. And this cop came over and said, okay, you need to move. And I was all, no. So he drags me out into the middle of the street. All these people are screaming. And he put me into the um, into the police car. No, no, no. You're missing a whole bunch of this this story. Okay. I had just run in to go in and get my paycheck. So I was only going to be very fast. I was supposed to only be 15 minutes. But of course, when I went inside, someone had a shot and it took me yeah. a little bit longer. But when I came out, you were in the middle of an entire circle of cops and Sergeant... Coates? Was mm. his name Coates, too? Sergeant yeah. O'Hallahan. No, no, no. I no, think it was no, no. two it different was people Coates. named Coates. That's interesting. But anyways, he had his billy club out, and he was hitting you with his billy club. So that's when I was like, what the hell? But you have to understand, you weren't just, hey, officer, I'm waiting for my friend. That was never your oh, no, MO. I was nuts. You were was screaming raging, at the top raging, of your... You yeah. were ragingly... It's so angry, and you were screaming at the top of your, of your lungs, and you were screaming there in the middle of the street while this guy was hitting you with a billy club and all these other cops were standing around kind of in shock. And I ran over, I pushed the cops aside and I said, you've got to stop, you've got to stop hitting her. And the guy with his stick up said, she's uh, disrupting the peace and... Uh, Belligerent. Whatever, it's saying all these different things. And I said, you can't, she didn't do anything. She was waiting for me outside of the crazy horse. You cannot lock her up. Because then that's when they put the handcuffs on you you and threw you in in the back of the car. And I said, you can't lock her up and throw her away like that. That's crazy. She didn't do anything. If you're going to lock her up, you might as well lock me up too. Click. And they put me in the back of of the police car as well. I love that your interpretation of the story, Elizabeth, is that you were standing there calmly and said to the officer, hey, man, I'm just waiting for my friend, when you were, without a doubt, the most incandescently angry person I've ever known. And it makes me angry. And they actually took us to the prison yeah. and well, locked it was us jail. up. So we got into jail and as we're walking past uh, one of the jail cells, the prostitutes who were in there, they're all like, why are you in here? Why are they in here? We said, we got arrested for no reason. We were standing out in the street, and they're all, let them out, let them out. They were all on our side. Yeah, so then they they threw us into a cell with about four or five women Mm -hmm. who were basically our same age. And we all just sort of hung out, angry and talking about how unjust the system was. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time face-to-face we'd ever had those conversations about the actual system with people who had been affected by it. I Mm -hmm. remember that, and I think that was a really 
formative experience for us. So we wanted to stay in jail. Well, no, well, wait a minute. Meanwhile, I get a phone call. You're allowed a phone call. I get a phone call. We're in prison. Anyway, I go to go there to this is like pay, 4 a.m. to pay bail. Okay, I think my boyfriend's with me. Dig him. Someone with was me. with you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we get there, and I said, "Okay, you guys, I'm paying your bail." And, and we you said, "Absolutely, said, absolutely not. not. We're we, staying in." We here. wanted to stay in there. Not only were we having a really interesting and and for, informative conversation, but we realized that there was no way that this was going to stand up in court. And if we went all the way to court, that we could throw this guy off the police force, and we wanted to stay in there. Meanwhile, I said, you're going to get it on your record. It's going to be permanent, and that's going to be Plus, really intense I for looked you. like such a freak. There was no way that you and me were going to stand in a court of law in D.C. and win over a white policeman. That was Meanwhile, not going to happen. I was not budging. Meanwhile, I did not want to No, go, I didn't but, either. I was but ready Amy to... paid it, and so they were like, get out of here. And Yeah. No, I mean, it's an unjust system, but luckily we have such a just system now that, <laughs> you know, nothing But what was changed. cool is that, you know, once again, a horrible situation when treated with art turns into something richer. Yeah. And your sister at the time took this whole story and wrote the song Blue Man, which we performed a bunch of times, and it was a really great, passionate song. played some really amazing gigs. We played up in Baltimore, our first on-the-road gig in Baltimore with the band Kicks. And uh, no, outside no, of- that was like Maryland, somewhere in the sticks no, of Maryland. No, that was that was in Maryland, but there was another one in that, and that one in the sticks of Maryland. We started What's playing. We started playing um, White Rabbit. started throwing drugs onto the stage. That's right. I remember yeah, that. I remember oh, that too. Oh, that's right. Elizabeth says, to, as an intro to the song, does anybody have any drugs? I need some drugs before we start singing White Rabbit. And all of a sudden, in a hail, come down <laughs> joints and pills like I've never seen before. No. And my eyes lit up with glee because I realized you could ask anything from the stage and people would do it. The world was our kingdom. Our I remember queendom. when we were opening for the band Kicks that the way that the lead singer warmed up was to take a pillow and scream into it. And we were like, wow, cool, professional. Yeah. <laughs> that was in the, in the dressing room that in we shared with them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they were, they were a hair band. They were an 80s Full hair on. band. Full on. Yeah, and they were big. The they itch. had a hit or something. I got it. That was their big hit, I remember. <laughs> but then we started actually having gigs on our own. We were the headliners. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and we, we got to go back to Desperados. In a very short time. Meanwhile, behind the scenes in our band, things were kind of bubbling under the surface. True, true. There was a lot of strife and tension. There really was. There mm-hmm. really was. Somehow it turned out, always turned out that it was sort of the three of us, mm-hmm. sometimes with, with um, Bricks being yeah. a, an ambassador, and then Kathy would not be on the same page. Absolutely. 
We're finding our feminist ways, and so, and so was Bricks. Bricks was always a feminist, but we, I don't think that that together as a group we were there yet. True. We weren't all friends. We we I think what happened is that we were friendly, but I think that Allison and Elizabeth and me we had formed a real kind of bond. Mm-hmm. We were seeing music the same way. We were seeing the world the same way. We were, and we seeing, were seeing possibilities and the future the same way. Yeah, we were. So it and we had the same sense of humor. We did. Which was huge. Right. huge. But think about it. We also grew up the same way. Considering that we came from completely different backgrounds, we all did grow up the same way. We grew up around the world. Traveling, right. yeah. And that's, that's, that's a bonding. You know, when you have the same childhood, that mm-hmm. definitely is a bond, and I think that's something we Our had. dad was in the military, so we moved every three years, and mm-hmm. your dad was... State Department, State so Department. every two years we'd move. We did right. have, we had a commonality. And also there were, you know, it was the early 80s, so there were a lot of um, behind the scenes, there was a lot of sexuality happening. This was pre-AIDS. This was a lot of uh, drug stuff, and... A lot of sex. We were having a, a lot, lot of, sex. of sex. And I remember for some strange reason, I, was. I wasn't. Yeah. No, you weren't. No. Um, I would sometimes go out to bars with the guitar player, Kathy, and we would find a boy that we liked, and we would slip him a note and say, would you like to ha- sleep with two girls tonight? Devil's Triangle. Yeah. So I, and it, we never talked about it. The next day, we never ever talked about it, or we never talked about that dynamic in the band. And was this very successful? Would, and the would other, a, a lot of guys would say yes. Oh, yeah. Did Are anybody ever say me? no? Did anybody ever say nobody, no? Nobody, not only hell no did nobody, I mean, I'm not tooting my own horn or anything, but we were, you know, kind of feisty gals. What's funny to me is that you all were having, because I remember you were having so much sex, both of you all. I would just be like, what did you do last night? And that's always been our dynamic. You two have always been out there. I was always looking for romance. So that I was I was always looking for someone who I just could love with all my heart and soul. And I. Me too. Well, oh, but please. We were doing it in different ways. Let's put it that way, we, which is we, interesting. Well, I remember one time I had an orgy with seven gay men. It was crazy times. It was crazy times. It was crazy times. times. Uh-huh. I guess everybody has crazy times at one point. No, or actually they don't. When you start telling people when you know when when I first start seeing somebody, if I you know, how you said, Oh, how many people have you slept with? Like, I never tell them. <laughs> yeah. I never tell I remember truth. one time I had to tell a doctor. The doctor actually asked me, a gynecologist, how many sexual partners have you had? And I didn't think that was relevant. And she actually did. So she said, more than 10. And I said, oh, yeah, more than 20. I said, yeah, more than 30. Yeah. And then as we started going up the scale, her face turned to abject <laughs> horror. And then I screamed out to her, I've been in a band for my entire life. Exactly. As it if the that, 80s. Yeah. So that it was come. the 80s. It was the 80s.
don't know, but that's not why I had sex with everybody. I went home and there would be a guy in my bed and I'd, I'd sleep with him. I'd fuck him. I mean, who cares? Yeah. I didn't care at all. And There was a sexual freedom. There was definitely that was happening. And that's why everybody was saying, oh, yes, in the third wave of feminism, it's all about women claiming their own sexuality. Not much later, Madonna was around and all that mm. was happening. And I think that you all were on the forefront of that. I think you all were pioneers in that. Well, in a, a really lot of times, way. like a guy would give me a ride home and I'm like, all right. You know, was it his idea or you wanted it? Because it's one thing to say. I didn't usually want it. Honestly, uh, from all the men that I slept with, I don't think I ever really, really wanted it, except for with maybe four or five of them who I really cared about. Other than that, I just did it because it was, I thought I should, or it was like a drinking night or whatever, or I was trying to avoid my own real sexuality, I think, in a lot of ways. Did you think it was a way for the, to get them to like you more? Or was it something like the, what the Me Too movement is saying now, you just couldn't get out of the situation? I think there were many times where I couldn't get out of the situation. Wow, that's interesting. It's a whole um, horse of a different color. I remember yeah, I brought... but you know, I didn't think about it at the time. Mm-hmm. But there was, so, there, was, there was a lot of pressure, you know? And whether it was... It wasn't peer pressure necessarily. It was pressure I put on myself because I didn't want to necessarily be gay. I wanted I wanted to sleep with guys. And also, like, to poop to pop. Remember that guy? I forgot his name. He was my boyfriend for a while. Mm-hmm. Jimmy. He was a nice James. guy. I think he was actually in love with you. No, he wasn't. Are he you was sure? sweet, though. No, we were just friends. when he was friends. sleeping with me, I had other. the feeling he wanted to be sleeping with you. No, but that was fine, too. But, like, I slept with that guy because I thought that's what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. when you like somebody, when you're, you know, he's your boyfriend. I didn't... Well, generally, if you have a boyfriend, you're supposed to be sleeping with him, Elizabeth. Yeah, but I mean, call you know me crazy. That's not what I did. What do you mean? Well, she I mean, I would, I would date people, but I wasn't having sex with them. We would just, like, date. It was it's, an interesting time. Well, what's, I, what to me I think is really fascinating here is that, Elizabeth, you were having sex without really wanting to. You didn't really have agency about it, or maybe you were trying to turn it around, whereas you were doing it on purpose. You were like, I am going to go out and I'm going to own my own sexuality with this woman and just have it. So well, it once I started, it have, once I started having it with women, that was a whole nother ball game. Then I did go looking for it. You know, remember, I came out when I was 21. That was the first time I slept with, really, really slept with a girl. And that was Maria. And we instantly became girlfriends, and I thought we were going to live together forever, and we'd be together forever. Meanwhile, I took mom on a that vacation. That was a great coupling, i got to say. It was a good coupling. We're still friends to this day. Well, I mean, to, to have a girlfriend who is from Smith College, who's a feminist, yeah. who's aware, I mean, I was very impressed. That was a very good first girlfriend. Although she did say something to you and me one time, and it kind of But she was us. right. Think about it. What'd she say? Um, you don't know. We said, well, maybe Bitsy will be there. And she said, you mean Elizabeth? And you did change your name to Elizabeth, which I think is really funny. I thought she said that's the old Bitsy. That's the old Bitsy. That's what she said. No, I just remember her calling you Elizabeth. She did call me Elizabeth when else. she was smoking. But I thought it was so cool because she drove a clutch car and she was smart. And I got to go to Smith and I saw people like, you know, Mary Daly spoke and people like that. And it was a real awakening for me. Meanwhile, I took mom to the Caribbean for a vacation. And then when she left, I let a French guy move into our room (laughs) while I had a boyfriend. And then when I went back, I found out a couple of weeks later that I was pregnant. Meantime, you guys had planned a party for me 
at a bar. Oh, that's your birthday party. My birthday party called the Kamikaze Birthday Party because my birthday is on December 7th. And we had sent out hundreds, actually hundreds of invitations to almost everybody in the music scene in Washington. When was this? Um, that was then. Yeah, yeah. Was and this cover. is now. But it <laughs> was, was it Posers? Remember that place? Right. And no, then, no, Posers was in, De- uh, it was in Georgetown. This place was in DuPont Circle. Right. What was it, Cagney's? Yeah, Cagney's. Cagney's. Yeah. Oh right. It was at oh Cagney's. And That's where Dave used to DJ, and I hated Simple Minds and all those things that he played. I was like, ugh. We had, like, invitations printed out and everything. It was a really good time. Then when I found out that I was positive for a pregnancy, we canceled the party because I realized that I had to get an abortion, and I probably wasn't in the mood for a party. Did and we cancel the party? Yeah. I remember And you got there. mad. Oh, maybe the party went on. Somebody dropped me we, on my back. I think we had the party. Darling. Oh, that's right. Wait a minute. We had the party. I said we had to cancel it, and you said, "Hell no, we're not canceling the party." And or I said, it was the other way around. I said I have to get an abortion, and you said, "So what? We're having the party anyway." So, um, mom took me to get an abortion. I remember that we had to go through a line of protesters with fetus. Did you sticks. even then? Yeah. Yeah, but thank goodness I could do it. I mean, who knows what's going to happen here in the future? But mm. yeah, so I guess we did have the party after. after I remember. All. I remember. That's the night. Party. Is that the night that I you dropped me on my back? No, that was much later. Elizabeth and I used to have a dance routine, and because <laughs> it was your birthday, I think we probably did an extra special dance routine <laughs> where we would I would spin you around and and sort of we would uh, Lindy hop basically. It was really fun, yeah. and we used to win contests. Remember that we oh, won the really? contest again at the with bayou. the contest at oh, the we Bayou. We would we always won a win. bottle of Roger. No, no, Fres- Fresnay. We were like, oh, the classy stuff. Every single time, every single time we went down and, and we would win the dance. And no contest. wonder people thought we were lessies. We but were. I need to say right now, I'm sorry that we weren't more sensitive to the fact that you were having. And, and a very intense procedure. I really am sorry You know about what? That. I'm actually really glad that you said, hell no, we're still having the party. Because I don't what? think that was me. I think that probably was your sister. It was me. It was and you. Because to me, it lessened the fact that you were going to have to have an abortion. I don't think you thought in that terms at all. I think it was because there was a party. I wanted to have the party. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. I, I was like, who cares if you're and, pregnant? And I, the party. Right. Who cares if you have an A-B? You know, I remember that distinctly. He's like, who cares if you have an A-B? But almost said, everybody we knew it had an abortion by then and, and continued to do. Like almost, It wasn't something that you celebrated, but it was def- definitely a choice. And it was an important one to be able to have because things happened. Right. How was your mom about it? My mom was um, resolute, you know, that, of course, this is what you need to do. Was she upset at first at all? I think she was upset for me. And then I think she was more upset when she took me to the clinic and they had all these far right to lifers that and actually people throwing blood and like things like that. And you had to go through the line to get in there. Um, She did say, don't tell your dad. And I said, why? And she Uh. said, maybe it's because... He but she understand. always said that. We always yeah. protect the men, and it's really to our detriment to this day. I think right. there are a lot of women, a lot of men have no idea what reality is because too many women have tried to protect right. them. Like your daughter, uh, her birth control didn't work. Yeah. She's much too young to have a child. Yeah. And she wasn't in a position to have the child uh, financially, emotionally, spiritually with somebody. But I mean, I think that the fact of the matter is now we're, we're staring at a Supreme Court that could actually take that right away from us again. Well, it's already trying. In yeah, different, I mean, they've been chipping at, away at it for many, many years. There's some states that only have like one abortion clinic left. I shudder to think that the disadvantaged, the poor women and girls in this country are going to have almost no chance of birth yeah. control. I though. think one thing that, that we can do right now, one thing other than protesting and things like that, Start stockpiling the morning after pill. 
Oh, yes. I know a lot of moms that have been doing that for their daughters for a while now. Well, I think not just for daughters, but for plan for, B for me, for somebody who doesn't have children, people the of, of little means to, yeah. uh, to be able to, but what's to the expiration of those drugs? Do we know? It's a long time. It's something is. like 10 years. Well, Roe v. Wade passed in 1973. Mm-hmm. So we were of the first decade, I guess, to be able to, uh, to utilize that and, right. and to think this is a normal option for women. If a woman is not ready to become a mother, then she can do this, and it was normal at the time. Somehow between 1983 and now, the PR machines of the other side have made it into this big handmaid's tale, mm. negative situation. As to vilify to not only the mother, but the process mm-hmm. and the idea that we can't control our own bodies and that we should never be able to have that option. Right. So it's been very effective. The younger generations are going to have to fight fiercely. And we're going to fight right there alongside of them like we have. I remember when we were in D.C. and Reagan was in office and every, every almost every day or every week at least, there were, there were protests. In yep. DuPont Circle. There were protests in DuPont Circle. There were giant protests, pro-choice marches mm-hmm. with hundreds of thousands of people, gay rights marches. And we were very, very lucky as a band to be able to bring our talents and use our voices to help. tuckered out from the march you know what to do give it some oomph let it roll around there for a long time in your loins and then just explode like a big pro-choice bubble when we say hi we're betty that's your cue to scream back at us hello betty with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of love okay you ready here you go hi we're betty we gotta watch out for each other girls and women we'll be watching will you Girl Band Podcast was recorded at Elizabeth Studio in the East Village of New York City, traffic included. Engineered and produced by Elizabeth Ziff. Music clips and other credits. Gloria Steinem intro, Chain Reaction by Betty from the album Hello Betty, Ooh the Rain by Quiver, courtesy Allison Palmer Archives, What You Got to Say by Switchblade, recorded live at the Bayou in 1982, clip from 1956 Warner Brothers film The Bad Seed, Window by Betty from Hello Betty, Michelle The Bell of the Block by Quiver, rehearsal tape courtesy of Allison Palmer Archives. Blue Man, performed by Quiver, written by Melody Ziff, recorded by Matt Chabert, a.k.a. Zach Allister, at his studio in 1981. Rehearsal Fight, Quiver, courtesy of Allison Palmer Archives. ABC Hey by Quiver, basement recording, courtesy of Allison Palmer Archives. Shrink Back by Betty from Hello Betty. It Girl by Betty from Betty Rules, Jesus by Betty, unreleased version. Betty live at the rally of the pro-choice March for Women's Lives in Washington, D.C., 1992. We're very loud.
crowd today, and sometimes song and singing can pierce through it all. And we want to keep doing that for you and with you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review it. Betty's next live show is April 14th at Joe's Pub in New York City. For more information, check out their website at hellobetty.com. Cheers for now. <laughs>